Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast from a non-Trekkie perspective. We are coming to you on the hottest day of the year in the UK so far. Hottest day ever. Hottest day in history, is it? Hottest day in history in England. Yeah. In England today. Yeah. 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 It's the only history yeah, yeah. that really counts. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, history. History. Yeah, it's literally in parts of, because you've just come from London, Matt. Yeah. Matt has braved it from London. Risk my life. Yeah, yeah. You've <laughs> literally come across the melting train The tracks were buckling. The train derailed just outside of Brighton. I, I crawled here. <laughs> so literally, yeah, we, we are working hard to bring this episode to you, listeners. <laughs> so if you can hear Aircon all the way through this episode, uh, deal with it and suck it up because literally <laughs> it is hot as fuck and we cannot deal without it. My name's Liam. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Paul and Matt. Hello. And we're also joined by two previous guests, both returning today. We have Paul, better known as Professor Elemental, and Hattie Snooks. Hello. Yeah. Hello, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having us back. I'm amazed that you're happy to have me back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, it after took a couple of years time. after last time, but you know. I'm but... amazed we're still going. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing we're all around. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to both have you back. Obviously, we've had you on the show before, and you kind of gave us your Star Trek credentials last time you were here. But Paul, since we last saw you, have you had any more Star Trek in your life? Since we forced you to read those comics. <laughs> if anything, I was about to embark on a huge journey where I was going to brace Star Trek with open arms. But then, just as I was about to do that, you gave me those comics to read. <laughs> and then after I read them, I, it took me, I had to, you know, it's been counselling. And some very difficult conversations with family members about, you know, how to, how to move on from that point. It's I been feel, hard still with the pandemic. Well, <laughs> oh, pandemic was nothing compared to dealing with some of those comics. So now I feel like I'm really ready to begin my journey anew. That's okay. why I've come here okay. tonight. You give you another chance tonight. Okay, fantastic. Hattie, uh, what about you? I believe you've been embarking on some Strange New Worlds. Embarking. I have. I have been watching Strange New Worlds. I haven't quite got through all of it yet, but I've been enjoying what I've seen so far. Far. Yeah, you demanded um, no spoilers I before did this. You flipped no the desk instantly. Absolutely, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I was about <laughs> to kick you all in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one who's watching it other than Hattie at the moment? Yeah, well, I want to watch it, but I'm going to do Star Trek Discovery Season 4 first. Uh, have you not seen that yet? No. And then Picard Season 2. Well, I'm doing Picard Season 2 at the moment. Picard Season 2 has taken me, I'm three months and it's still, I'm not finishing it. You still not finished it? No. We're doing the episode soon, but I mean... Is it out of a sort of sense of duty of that I really should... Yeah, one of those. Yeah, because Season 2 was so much more of an easy watch, like Mm. Picard Season 2, we've got things to talk about. Maybe, okay. But maybe sometimes that's it's okay to walk away from those things. You know, I'm a big superhero fan, but I'm aware that there are certain superhero films that it's Quite all up. right not to... It's, we we go, don't we, have to. We've got a podcast to do. I'm afraid there's <laughs> no <laughs> way out for us. Have you walked out on these superhero films before? <laughs> I have, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, In the cinema? Ant-Man and the Wasp. I, I, well, uh, no, I've got a, a way of doing it because I'm middle-aged. Right. I've got a very simple way of, of checking out of anything that bores me is by simply going into standby mode and falling asleep. Right, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd say the last seven I thought you were just like rushing to the toilet. No, 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 not that. Just yeah. that sort of half conscious sleep that if something important happened, I'm like, oh, Infinity Stones. But other than that, you can sleep through, nothing much going on. So, yeah. I'm kind of And the Wasp, you, you bailed on Yeah, I thought that was Toss. Um, wow. There's been another couple since, but I can't mm. remember because I was fast asleep. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. My last uh, cinema trip I bailed on, but it was a headache. It was for Batman. Actually, I made it one third of the way through. 
Oh, yeah, it looks like a bit of a headache. Thought, if I had a headache, and I was like, it's not going to get any better, is it? Like, <laughs> you said you've got three more hours to go. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, two hours of like, you know, this. And it turned, I did catch it up on uh, later on, and I I actually bailed at the, as good as it got. <laughs> oh, well, just wow. the dark. I imagine if you've got a headache as well, it's yeah. really dark as well. It's, it's squinting. So it was like, I thought that like, the excitement of you know, a new yeah. Batman film, I mean, I was expecting something. I didn't get, but I was like, I'm going in that kind of, I'm on a sliding scale into headache mode and it's going to get worse. <laughs> but this film might pull me out of it. No, it just dragged you into it. It's got more and more. Yeah, I haven't got near, down. I'm a massive DC nerd, that's my whole jam, but well, you, I haven't got near you, Batman. You're the first person I've heard to be excited about <clears throat> Black Adam. Like, like, <laughs> it looks amazing! I, mean, I, I genuinely quite like the trailer too, Paul. Don't worry. Like, I think, but literally, I just haven't heard anyone speak no. about it. That level of excitement. It's been, and, and you guys will know this better than anybody, particularly Hattie, you know, there's something I really love about the thing that you love and then the thing that's on the very fringe of the thing that you love. Yeah. Uh, as Hattie mm. is a perfect example with her incredible show and song with, um, oh, what's the name of the character? Reginald Barclay. With, with Reginald Barclay, exactly. <laughs> and that's what yeah. DC's quite good at. They're, quite, they're a bit cr- crappy when they're dealing with their main things, but the mm. stuff on the fringes that no one's really yeah. they, they do those really well. That is really true, actually, because literally my favourite kind of DCU things have been the Peacemaker TV series. Oh my God, exactly. Amazing. <laughs> James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Yeah. And uh, Birds of Prep. Yeah. Like, and they're all very fringy. Outliers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all about exactly. the outliers. Well, it's because they could just go and do... No one cares about those. They could just do whatever they want. I feel what it is that appeals, appeals to me about those sort of things, being an obscure British rapper on the very edge of the hip-hop scene. <laughs> is it the Black Adam kills, which heroes famously... Don't do. No, I don't think that, if anything, that puts me off a little bit. I, I like my heroes being all sort of nicey-nice. That's one of the things that I love nice about... Nice and cuddly. Well, that's one of the things I love about Star Trek is its optimism. When, yes. You know, it is an optimistic, heroic thing in the very purest sense of the word. And, you know, that's what I normally like about superheroes too. But I'll, I'll forgive Black Adam for that as long as I get to see some weird other superhero friends like Doctor Fate Ooh. and Hawkman. <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, hey, you know all about the optimism of Star Trek through your brilliant live show, The Geek Shall Inherit, which both me and Paul have seen since we last had you on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, you've really been doing that for quite a while now, haven't you? You've done so yeah. many... How many times you performed that? Milked it for all it's worth. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, I've done it... Well, it's a weird one because I've done it at three Brighton Fringes in a row, but that's its final outing, I think, at Brighton Fringe. I'm taking it to Worcester Fringe next week, actually. On wow. The 30th of July at 5pm for anyone in Worcester who might be listening to this. <laughs> actually, I've just realised I'm saying next week, but I don't know when this is coming. <laughs> yeah, did you go? I mean, did you go, that. listeners? How was it? <laughs> don't, don't, worry, don't worry, neither do we. It's fine. But yeah, no, it's a really fantastic show and it was great to see it after all that time. Four people who didn't listen to the last episode can you just give a log line of what the show is I thought about saying if people didn't listen last time can you do that song again so essentially it is uh, musing upon escapism and um, how it can either be toxic or self-care depending on the way that you view it um, my character is this is much longer than a log line but my character is having a sick day and um, basically plugging herself into all of her favourite sci-fi shows and occasionally bursting into song and you follow the journey of her throughout that day would you say that's it? Yeah I would say and it, it gets surprisingly emotional um, places I would say yeah and it's definitely a really interesting Owed to like the fans' love of shows and like how 
how important they can kind of become to us and kind of basically help us through like, our own kind of emotional lives. Definitely. I think that's specifically the case with sci-fi and fantasy because I think with sci-fi particularly, um, and with no, and fantasy as well, you, you have people who are quite physically badass. Um, and I talk about it in the show, but how like a lot of them go through a journey and they're not perfect and they do have all these flaws and foibles and yet we still see them as the heroes of their own stories because they quite literally are. Um, and I think that that can be a really nice take home from those shows is that actually we don't have to be perfect to be the heroes of our own stories and sometimes you just have to get out there and do it. Mm. Even if you've messed up your life and, you know, various things. Yeah, you can you can still turn it around and be the hero that you choose to become. <laughs> and you did get out there and do it and you put on a show, just like the Muppets, who were going to be talking about <laughs> that. Oh, there is something very about it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, um, so today we are doing Spotlight Movies, this is a strand of our podcast where we talk about a film featuring a member of Star Trek alumni, either in front or behind the camera. Today we're going to be talking about The Muppets Take Manhattan, the third Muppets film from 1984. Jump on board for big time fun. What are we waiting for? Let's go to Broadway! The Muppets are hitting... The Big Apple. Bapo Sacco's far out. Right on. In search of their big break. We sold the show. The producer wants to put it on Broadway. Come on, everybody. New York City will never be the same. Here we go. Together on. Together on again. They like it. They love it. Jim Henson's The Muppets Take Manhattan. Star Trek connection being Gates McFadden, of course, played Beverly Crusher on Star Trek Next Generation. She appears for one scene in this film. <laughs> it's I a must, stretch. I must admit, I must admit. Bending the rules a little bit there. It's the most tenuous connection. <laughs> me and Hattie were talking about it and we were both going, I love it. I love how incredibly tenuous <laughs> Well, I mean, this does tend to happen sometimes where it's a film I haven't seen or in this case I have seen but I obviously misremembered. In my head, she is the, like the lead. Well, she's the receptionist. And I tell you what, Tell you what, if you look on like um, like Wiki or something, she's like the fifth build or whatever. Like because the rest of them are all puppets. That may be true. They're all played by like the same people, so it's like yeah. yeah. But she's like the secretary of the big theatre producer, and so I thought, oh, well, she That's must be, con, in, isn't it? She must be in it all the way through. I what is that the con man producer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Okay. I think when you first asked me, you said you know that's coming on to do it. So do watch all the scenes with her in. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's done. <laughs> that's all. Um, well, I was watching. I, I'd forgotten what the Star Trek connection even was, and then yeah. she came on screen. I was like, oh, who is that? Let me just look that up. Oh, she was in Star. Oh, oh that's yeah. that's oh, our. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. However, right. However, I will say this is her big screen debut. So in terms of her career, it is very, very important. It's not her first ever acting role, but it's her first ever time on the big screen. Hi there, we'd like to see Mr. Price. Do you have an appointment? No, but we saw his name in the paper, and we've got this great show called Manhattan Melodies that he's going to want to produce on Broadway. It's about a couple of kids that come to New York City to get married and has a wonderful opening number. It goes like this. Hit it, guys. Hold it. Hold it. 
Just a Frog was a musical, Mr. Price. Uh, what an arrival! The third Muppets film. Like, yeah, I mean, literally, this is this is a oh, big deal. Marina says it's the third Death Wish film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I, wonder if they, I wonder if they talked about that yeah. daily. Like, yeah. <laughs> but and, the only um, thing I remember Gates in, other than this, was The Hunt for Red October. She yeah, she is in that, isn't she? In that movie, too. Wasn't yeah. she a choreographer? Yeah. film. Hi, how are you? Your question. Hi. Um, so I grew up on Star Trek starting back back in the day in the 60s with my um, dad watching reruns and then Next Generation I was in college so you guys helped me survive my undergrad and now I have a master's degree and I'm teaching college and it's fabulous. So I have a uh, non-Star Trek question for Gates. Can you tell me one of your favorite memories of working with Jim Henson? I, I just learned this about you that you did all this amazing stuff with Jim Henson. Well, I, I think my, my, well, my favorite memory is teaching David Bowie to waltz in the, the ballroom scene, but, you know, that was more in my fantasy after we were doing the choreography. <laughs> but I think it was the first time I met Kermit. Yeah, yeah, I was a sucker for that frog. And, uh, and he's so adorable. And you really, you know, he just sort of, they, they trick you, they stay active when everyone's disappeared. It's something Jim used to do to everyone who was the first time doing a Muppet show of any kind, and I was doing the Muppets Take Manhattan, and they just all disappeared. He gives them some signal. And I was so nervous, it was my first movie, it was like, you know, and I'm practicing my two lines, you know, like a frog with a musical, and I'm like going over it in my head. And the frog is, he's doing his practice too, and it was like, and he's like here, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he answered me, and I answered him back, and then I answered, and then I went, Jim. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they they trick because they're so real and lovable. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, like I said, I'm sure if we ever spoke mm. to Gates, she'd say this was a very important film too, because it's a big screen debut, and it's the only acting job she had this year. So you know, the Muppets paid the bills mm. this year. Um, yeah, she was a, a choreographer. And, yeah. that's, and she was credited as Cheryl McFadden when working as choreographer. And Gates when acting. But it, I think she's in as a Cheryl on this. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where she had that original name and then as she went on, like, changed her. Because a mm. lot of, you know, so many actors have their actual name and they have their kind of performing name. Much of, like yourself, Paul. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, better known as Professor Elemental. Now, you are... A huge Muppets fan? Huge. Just, yeah, you know, almost worryingly huge. Well, I did once come to your office. So you did. And you had a large bookcase, and it was literally full of, like, Muppets figurines. Mm. It was really quite impressive. So what we should do, being that Muppets is a massive franchise, like Star Trek, is go around the table and talk about our Muppets credentials, so our history of the Muppets, and uh, what they mean to us. So, could you start, Paul? Well, I mean, that's the whole podcast done, really. I just <laughs> me talking for two hours. And then, when I was seven years old, I, uh, so yeah, I, I, I really I loved the Muppets, particularly because as a kid, I was the exact right age for them, and they were a little bit scary as well. Like it was wonderful <laughs> and comforting and cozy and creative, you know, Kermit and Fozzie and all those things. But I remember, you know, they had these monsters that were unlike anything else on television. On the actual Muppet Show, the monsters were pretty horrific. And so, yeah, I, I, I regularly had sort of nightmares and dreams about the Muppets. I think they, they absorbed into my subconscious quite an early age. And actually, the Muppets Take Manhattan is the perfect film to talk about for me because 
I think I would have been like nine or ten when it came out because I'm very old. And it was not only the fact that the Muppets were sort of in real life, that's the first time I'd seen them out and about, but also it was that New York, that kind of mythological it's New the York. scuzzy New York. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, was a, it was a scuzzy 1980s New York that I was also seeing in Batman comics. Yeah. Just the, the Warriors just running around behind me. <laughs> exactly. <It was> a, <laughs> which again ties into making something that's quite exciting and a little bit scary as well, but also quite intriguing. New York's scary, the Muppets are scary. Everything's <laughs> scary. And I've been scared ever since. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and you know, everything you really need to know about life, you can learn from the Muppets, I think, whether it's Kermit or Fozzie or Animal, a different Muppet will give, will give you everything you need for a particular situation. <laughs> and yeah, you know, my life is predominantly Fozzie, but always trying to be Kermit. <laughs> Are you still a fan of like the latest Muppets or sort of kind of purists have you gone off them? Or? Well, I try not to be too comic book guy about it. I'm right. like, well, that's not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But like like every single thing that, you know, like Star Trek, you know, that means you have to take the rough with the smooth, don't you? There'll be moments where somebody gets hold of it like, this is what it's supposed to be like. You've nailed it. You've got the essence of it. There was a thing on um, Disney Plus. They did a Halloween special last year. Yeah. And it had, um, who's the guy from Arrested Development who also plays Lego? Oh, Butler. Jason Bateman. Oh, Will Arnett. Oh, Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Will Arnett was the kind of lead in it. And we watched it on Halloween with the kids, and it was exactly right. It was the perfect moment. It didn't take itself seriously. It wasn't very important. Nothing of any consequence went on in it, but it was really genuinely laugh out loud funny. I was like, oh, that's it. Smashed it. But equally, they've had some terrible... They had a little series on Disney+, Plus that was just really... They're all trying to make a podcast or a, you know, oh, no. uh, imagine a podcast of all yeah. things. Fuck it out. <laughs> but, it, but it was just, it, was a bit, it played it a little bit too safe. It had all, and as is often the way with Disney stuff, you know, they scraped off all the kind of scary edges and made mm. it a bit too smooth. So, yeah, I'm not going to be too precious about it, but it means there's, you know, it's been some ups and downs. Like, do you see that lovely, that series they did? Where they were all based in an office and they got panned yes. the first half of it. Yeah. They really got, just, everyone hated it. And then they went away and they kind of had, they had half a season where they'd nailed it and no one was watching but me. I, <laughs> no, I, I, me know, I know the one you're talking about. It's the one they did before the Disney Plus series, yeah. isn't it? And it was a bit like The Office with the Muppets. Yeah, first half, like, not yeah. great. Second half, like, And I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like, great. genuinely, like, thought it was really, really fun. I remember there was a. Uh, Random guest appearance by Lawrence Fishburne, where he like drives Kermit off the road, like which was really funny. Like, uh, yeah. he used the guest spots really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was a lot of fun. Sometimes, when I'm really frustrated, need to clear my head, I just get into my golf cart and floor it around the lot. Speed limit's five miles per hour, but I'll go six or seven. I don't care. Oh, 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 my goodness. Watch where you're going, frog. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Lawrence. Uh, uh, hey, hey, when are you gonna come do the show? Well, if it keeps on sucking the way it did last night, never! Uh, yeah, good to see you too. Good grief. What do you think about the new Kermit voice? Uh, again, you have to, you, you know, as you get older, if the things that you like are going to keep happening, you're going to have to deal with some iterations of them that are not your favourite, you know, and, and you, can't, you can't sort of... Bring back Henson from the Dead, can you? No, I mean, you doing, can't. Doing their best shot I mean, we can try a seance tonight so <laughs> and see what happens. But, yeah. like, before, we, before this podcast came on, you said, Paul was talking about the um, watching the Batman film and it not being quite your sort of your version of Batman, your cup yeah. of tea. But you just have to go, okay, well, 
There'll be another Batman along in a minute. And it was the same with Kermit or the Muppets. There'll be another one along in a minute. We just have to hang in there and wait for the good ones to come. What is your favourite iteration of the Muppets? Is it Muppets Take Manhattan or is it something else? It's around about that era, I think, because by just, just from a purely personal point of view, by then I was familiar enough with them to know exactly who they all were and why they were important, but not so much that I was sort of cynical and I'd seen them do the same thing over and over and over again. And it was also, I guess, the Muppets Take Manhattan was was sort of the tail end of their kind of little initial peak of getting really famous, being a really big thing, having some movies. And that was kind of the last of the three movies. After that, it was sort of Muppets and Space and stuff, and they were kind of trailing off a little bit in terms of popular culture. And I quite like things when they're at that stage. I like them when they're, they're established, but they haven't got quite to the stage where they're stale. They're kind of like just coming off the peak of things. I really like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well, of course, because it was the last... Muppets film for quite some time, so Ooh, we'll probably talk about that a bit. Matt, what is your mm. Muppets history? Ooh. Yeah, I love them. I think I did it all out of order. Well, not from the way I grew up, which was doing the 90s movies first. So Christmas Carol and Treasure Island especially. Mm. I've got big memories of seeing Treasure Island in cinemas when it came out. And then also, I think Muppets Babies, the cartoon series Muppets as well. Muppets Babies! <laughs> yeah. So it's all of that, and I kind of loved all that as a kid. And then when the 2011 sort of reboot film was coming out, I was getting really into them again. And then I thought that, as you were saying, like really got the tone right and really sort of nailed it. And I loved, loved, loved that film. And then from that, I kind of went back and started doing the original Muppet show and then doing the first three films as well, which I think maybe I'd seen on telly a couple of times, but didn't remember. So now it's kind of like... Great Muppet, Caper, big favourite of. Um, even Muppets Most Wanted is okay, I think, but it's it's just the way they dropped the kind of baton after the, the greatness of the 2011 one, I think. And then oh, yeah, they didn't quite know what to people, do after. There were too many people and not enough Muppets. I'm yeah, with that one. exactly, yeah. So it feels like I've done a lot of Muppet media now, but I haven't, I haven't done a lot of the new stuff, actually, either. But... Um, yeah, you're hyping up some of it quite well. So I might have to dive in. <laughs> I'll send you recommendations. Yeah. Hattie, what is your Muppets credentials? I knew nothing. You know nothing? I knew nothing. Um, <laughs> have you never seen any Muppets? I have seen some Muppets, but not much. Uh, so I have seen I have seen Muppet Treasure Island. I have fond memories of uh, Miss Piggy, Piggy flirting with Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Long John Silver, which always makes me <laughs> uh, Obviously, I've seen Muppet Christmas Carol because you'd be a fool not to. Um, I seem to remember seeing quite a lot of the Muppet show when I was a kid, but quite a little child, so I don't really remember it. But then if there are ever clips on it, mm. like on TV, I'll be like, oh, I've definitely seen this. And then other than that, I've seen the 2011 film, which I saw after Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, have you seen mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I didn't realise, but that was... Um, Pretty much got him a job, right? Yeah, yeah. That, was yeah, his, yeah. <laughs> that was his CV, was or to be like, I can do Muppets! Yeah. Um, and boy, could he. get my dick um, and <laughs> <laughs> He really nearly didn't get the Muppet film because they were like, you have done full frontal nudity. <laughs> and they loved him so much that they were like, oh, actually, we'll let you yeah, do the Muppet so, yeah. film, which I think is That's fair a play. Like Muppets are mostly We're moving on, aren't we, when they say, you know, you've done full frontal, we'll just slap me on Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. But yes, that, that, so this is kind of unknown realm. So sorry, I hoodwinked you into this. It wasn't an intentional. <laughs> oh no, it's wonderful. Well, we'll discover if 
you know, the journey that you had to undertake to come on the podcast today <laughs> was, was enjoyable for you. Um, so with me, the Muppets, literally, I, I very much grew up with, I'm shocked no one's mentioned Sesame Street yet, mm-hmm. because, of course, Sesame Street are part of the Muppets universe, as we discover in this film, because they do make an appearance, so there is crossover there and Jim Henson and all that. So I loved, obviously, Sesame Street as a kid, absolutely adored it. So that was very much my introduction to the sort of Muppets world. And then Muppets Babies as well, uh, watched that as a kid. Uh, but the first, I'd say, proper Muppets thing I watched would have been like Muppet Christmas Carol uh, at the cinema. Saw that at the cinema, and Muppets Treasure Island at the cinema. Saw them both my nan at the cinema. My nan would take me to see Muppets mm. films for some reason. Obviously, Muppets Christmas Carol, one of the greatest films of all time. But it's as <laughs> sim- simple as that. But in terms of series, the first thing I would have seen proper Muppet series live action would have been Muppets Tonight. It's Muppets Tonight with our very special guest star, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yay! If you're a human being, take a break from the race. Take a load off your feet, wipe the look off your face. Got a lot to do, and we do it for you. Everybody take your place. In the late 90s, which yeah. was Friday night, like a point of viewing. That was my first experience of what like a Muppet show was like, because that was like the attempt, really. I would say, because all the other attempts to Muppets have been like movies or kind of a different take. That was like really the only time they went, let's try and basically do the Muppet show again. I mean, some of the new characters that came out of that mm. were so great. The Pepe, mafia right? singer Pepe yeah. came out of that. Yeah. Like, they, oh, was Pepe from that? Yeah. Oh wow. There were lo- loads of good ones. The big bear kind of like security guards. Yes. The, the singer Johnny Fiamma, I think he's called. It's got mm. like a, a monkey bodyguard that's like make way, make way, make way. My boss is coming through. Just absolutely <laughs> loves him. Like yeah, it, had, it was really really good. Muppets tonight. I watched that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely yeah. watched that. That yeah. was brilliant. It was it was just literally like the Muppet Show, but yeah. for the late nineties. Somewhere 90s. in the nineties. Like, yeah, it, it, it didn't last very long. Here come the Muppets tonight. <laughs> what, what channel would that have been on? Uh, BBC One. It was on BBC One wow. on Friday nights. So it was like literally you get like Top of the Pops and I think Muppets Tonight mm. or the other way around. Oh, it's because it wasn't Muppets no, Tonight no, the no, one no. that they fully oh. made over here. What did they do? The no, that was the Muppet well. Show. Yeah, the original Muppet Show was a British production, wasn't that's, it? That's yeah. why I think why I loved it so much as a kid. Yeah. Well. It was a weird... A weird mix of American and English, but there's lots of stuff you could really recognise and was really familiar. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. So that was a big deal to me. And then, yeah, eventually as time's gone on, I've like seen all the Muppet movies apart from Muppets in Space. <laughs> like, I haven't seen that one, uh, but I've seen all the others. I tell you what, though, Muppets in Space not a good film. No one's no. Gonna, no one's going to stand here and defend that. <laughs> no, no. However. Yeah. <laughs> When, if you're listeners, if you're having a bit of a bad day, save this when you're having a bad day and you're thinking, oh, the, just the world's just shit, go on YouTube, watch the first five minutes of Muppets in Space because one of the things it's got going for it is this incredible funk soundtrack. And the first five minutes, it's Commodore's, the brick house. It's a great That's song. Yeah. Um, and it's just the Muppets in a house, like in a big house share, just getting ready in the morning. And it's the most bananas, like it's proper Muppet craziness. By the time you get, well, as soon as the song finishes, you can turn the film off. But that <laughs> little five minutes, you'll be like, everything's going to be all right forever. Maybe I have to finally catch up. The completest in me wants to <laughs> see. Oh, it's not so bad. 
he's got Gonzo at the helm. There's some yeah, lovely bits. Yeah, do like, love Gonzo. You know, and as I mean, had to be talking a little bit about Muppets Take Manhattan. I'm sure we'll get into it. But you know, they, they, they're all a bit up and down. It's another reason I don't hate on the newer stuff mm. because even the older stuff, the pacing's a bit off. It's a bit slow by today's standards. Muppet Takes Manhattan, the pacing's a bit like fits and starts and stuff, isn't it? So. Yeah. You know, you can kind of, you have to, you have to sort of accept a bit of the crappiness to get to the gold. Paul, we're down to you. Uh, pretty much the same as Hattie. I like, I wouldn't count myself as a Buffett fan, and I've only seen really the Muppet Christmas Carol. I can recall how it goes. You love and, Muppet's Christmas Carol. Oh, and yeah, and it's, so it's been a stalwart in my family since I was a kid when it was on Sky Movies. So I was with the movie channel, I must remember the one we had before. <laughs> and I, you know, that was my Michael Caine sort of introduction. And I think that he's the, he's the secret source for me, like what brings it together. Like, yeah, uh, you're right. He's just fantastic at playing straight against those guys. I think that's what makes the Muppets mm-hmm. really work for me in that film. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, it's gotten colder. Yeah. And the bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. We can't do the bookkeeping. Yeah, all of our pens have turned to inksicles. Yeah. Our assets are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly... Unemployed! I believe you've convinced them once again, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, you've definitely seen Treasure Island, because we used to like reference that bit where the, the guy bursts in when they're all torturing that guy, and he, he hides the hot poker in his hand. He's like, God! <laughs> 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 yeah. About like, to like, torture, Maybe I can't remember I who it is. With my own head. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like the eagle, I think, is it? Or somebody... And someone bursts in and they all try to hide what they're doing. And he yeah. holds to like hop over in his own hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a very much. I know, I remember this. Yeah, that's what's coming right back. I've seen the 2011 version yeah. uh, as well and wasn't a fan. Oh, wow, were you not? No, just, uh, it just, it just it didn't work for me. Just, like, I think it didn't, yeah, no, didn't I, mean, I wasn't mad into it. It was all right. It? <laughs> just, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, today we are talking about The Muppets Take Manhattan, 1984, the third chapter in the Muppets film franchise after the Muppet movie and the great Muppet caper. This was kind of like the last of the original trilogy of Muppet movies until Muppet Christmas Carol. The reason for that was that Jim Henson uh, very sadly passed away, so there's kind of this big gap where I think they were working out what they were going to do with it. And then Muppet Christmas Carol is his son, Brian Henson, directing, I believe. Uh, So then, obviously, he kind of takes over. Time magazine called them the most popular television entertainers on Earth. Their first two motion pictures delighted audiences throughout the world. And now they are back in their most ambitious screen effort yet as the Muppets take Manhattan. It's not starting over. It's just going on. Filmed on location in New York City, The Muppets Take Manhattan tells the story of Kermit, Miss Piggy, and the whole Muppet gang as they try to turn their college musical into a Broadway hit. When the Muppets graduate from Danhurst College, they take their song-filled senior review to New York City only to learn that it isn't easy to find a producer who's willing to back a show starring a frog and a pig. Of course, Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy won't take no for an answer, launching a search for someone to take them to Broadway. So yeah, that's what I love about these Muppet films, that they can just essentially reboot themselves every yeah. time anyway. It's like the first one's... It's just like, yeah, it's like the Muppets brought by Danny Rose, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like yeah. the first one's like the road trip, and then the second one's the the sequel in the UK. Remember. Yeah, I love that film. And now it's like, really yeah, now it's like, now they're in college in the US again, and they're going to New York, and then Yeah, it's... the great Muppet caper, the second yeah. one of that first three, is definitely my favourite of yeah. that first three, 100%. What I found quite interesting is... 
this film actually has a lot of similarities with the Jason Segel um, yeah. 2011 film because it is essentially they tr- they try to make it and the Muppets actually break up mm. and they all go and live these disparate lives and that is exactly what happens in or what has happened yeah, yeah. at the beginning of the Muppets is that they've broken up and they've all gone off to their different yeah the new ones get the yeah. band back together and this one's yeah. kind of the band breaking after like the first and act, then and then getting it back together, going yeah. Like, yeah, eventually. So that was really, really interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, it's a pretty simple plot, isn't it? Because the idea is after about like the first ten minutes, they all break up, they all go off to do their separate kind of things. Kermit stays in Manhattan to try and make the show happen, and the other person who stays in Manhattan is Miss Piggy to spy on <laughs> Kermit. <laughs> Whenever she's in like incognito mode, like around the city, oh, it's just the funniest thing. Hilarious! I literally, I mean, Miss Piggy is my favorite Muppet. Mm. She cracks me up so much. There seems to be a random like contingent of Muppet fans who don't like Miss Piggy. I d- I've never really got it. I think she's by far the funniest thing about yeah, Muppets. Yeah, she's essential. And also, there's not many female Muppets. She had to carry quite a lot. Yeah. In, yeah. in terms of all the stories, because there's just hardly any females. Her and Janice. That's about it. She's just a brilliant character. Just so hilarious. Uh, Piggy, have you been spying on me? Oh, maybe spying on Vu and that certain young girl of the opposite gender? You two-timing her? No, no, it's just Jenny. She's a friend. She's a friend. She's been trying to help me sell the show. He's got to sell the show. What show? Well, if she is just a friend, then what about the... the Huggies? What? The Huggies? You gave Jenny the huggies? You know, maybe, maybe, Kermit, maybe it would have been better if we had never have met. Then, then you and Jenny would not be tormented by my presence. Oh, See what the huggies will get you? Listen, Jenny and I were hugging because we're friends. Yeah. That's what friends do. Friends do not spy. Yeah, I forgot about that. I spied because I care! It is, um... Frank Oz. It's Frank Oz, yeah. isn't it? It's Miss Peggy, yeah. Uh, who also directed this film, of course, the first Muppet film he directed, but obviously Frank Oz also directed or co-directed The Dark Crystal, um, Little Shop of Horrors, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, yeah, which you're a big yeah. fan of. And Bowfinger. What about Bob, and, The Indian in the Cupboard? And the score oh. with Marlon Brando, De Niro, and Ava Norton. <laughs> yes. Where Brando yeah. just gave him shit the whole time calling him Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Didn't Brando. That, I mean, that, that is amazing, <laughs> yeah. Um, in and Out, the uh, controversial Kevin Kline film. In the quiet town of Greenleaf, Indiana, a high school teacher is about to be married. After three long years, and I'm sure a lot of you were asking, what was the problem? You said it. <laughs> a former student is about to be honored. And the winner is Cameron Drake to serve and protect. But for Howard Brackett. I'd like to dedicate this whole night to a great guy and a great teacher to Howard Brackett from Greenleaf, Indiana. A bombshell is about to drop. And he's gay. Howard, what is he talking about? I have no idea. I mean, I'm nobody. I'm just a little teacher in a little town. Oh, it's going to be fine by tomorrow night. Hoo-ha! Will he remember? There he is. That's him. Mr. Brackett, do you know Ellen? A teacher in trouble. A town under siege. Are you? What? Uh, home, home, home room teacher. Of course the guy thinks you're gay. You're smart and well-dressed. And really clean. And you're kind of prissy. Prissy? 
Welcome to our series on exploring your masculinity. Stand straight and tall. Truly manly men do not dance. Oh, come on! Mr. Brackett? Yes? Watch the hands. Oh. Paramount Pictures and Spelling Entertainment present a story about a man who was pronounced out. I may hire an attorney. I may sue. Get Johnny Cochran, not that woman. Before the jury was in. Does anybody here know how many times I've had to watch Funny Lady? You're our son and we'll always love you as long as you get married. I need some beauty and some music and some place cards before I die. It's like heroin. Kevin Klein. Look at me. Do I look like a homosexual? Would, would, would you walk for me? In and out. Repeat after me. Yo. Yo. Hot damn. Hot damn. What a fabulous window treatment. What a fabulous window. That was a trick. Stepwise remake, which I have seen because Matt told me it was good and it was awful. Yeah, I quite like that. <laughs> 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 I haven't seen it in about 20 it's years. Absolutely, but... like, it's, it should, the first one should put it on trial for like, <laughs> 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 The original Step Five film is amazing. Did I tell you it was good? Do you remember that? Yeah, you just, you just told me. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, it's really fun. Like, I think I raved about it for like yeah. a solid two weeks and I haven't thought about it since. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck with me because it just came on. It was on Netflix. I loved the original. I thought, seven ago, he's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's legendarily bad yeah. as well. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's an awful like behind the scenes shoot. I mean, poor Frank Oz. Yeah, Brando. He moves on to Stepwise with Bette Midler having histronics and all kinds of things. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah that's really sad. He's had a bit of a tough time with it, Frank Oz. He, he was really sad when the new Muppets came out. He wanted sort of nothing to do with it because. Had fart jokes in it. It's a, it's a combination of sort of on the one hand, he's like sorry for him, and on the other hand, thinking, oh, don't be a grumpy old man. I yeah. think Frank Oz is all right. Oh, of course, he's lovely. Without Frank Oz, we wouldn't have the bloody Muppets. Oh, oh no, I'm more mean. Wonderful. I think he's all right in terms of we don't have to feel sorry for him. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, you know, I mean, he's still yeah. getting to be Yoda, isn't he, in like The Last Jedi? Because one of the best bits of that incredible Last Jedi documentary mm. that is on the Blu ray, The Director and the Jedi, yeah. like, is seeing Frank Oz back as Yoda. Mm. Yeah, amazing. So, so good. But I mean, you know, obviously, an insane ton. He does a ton of the uh, voices. You know, obviously, I said he's the voice of Yoda, but he also does Miss Piggy, Fuzzy Bear, Animal, Sam the Hmm. Eagle, Bert, Cookie Monster, and Hmm. a ton of others. I mean, that is, that's pretty good, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's like some of the best Muppet clips that are available in the universe. There's the odd one on YouTube of just him and Jim Henson when they're not being filmed and they're kind of waiting around for a bit of Muppet to be filmed and there's just Fozzy and Kermit just talking in a kind of meta way about what it's like to be puppets and stuff, completely breaking character. Oh my God. And yeah, that's when it's, it's most magical is when you see him and Jim Henson having a bit of banter between them as two really close friends. Mm. Oh. Yeah, well, well, but Fozzy, mm. see, see, the thing of it is though, um, well, you know, you're not a real, you know, you're not a real bear. I mean, you're not a, not a real natural bear. Well, I mean, you were talking about a bear in his natural habitat. Yeah. Well, Me in my natural habitat. the cows back there. Yeah. Now, now, those cows, those are real cows. I mean, those are cows that are out here. They eat grass. They, uh, you know, they, they, they give milk. Those are cows. Well, I don't give milk, but I'm a bear. No, no, no. But a real bear is, a, is sort of a thing with, he's got sharp teeth and he... And now, he, hold, uh, now, wait a second. Now, wait a second. Do you have sharp teeth? I, I don't have teeth. No. I mean, do you hibernate? Uh, well, only with friends. 
So the original script to this was written by Jay Tarsis and Tom Patchett, who had both written on The Great Muppet Caper. Uh, they wrote a script called The Muppets, The Legend Continues. This was dismissed by Oz as way too over-jokey, which feels like an odd criticism for a Muppets movie, but there you go. Uh, maybe there were some part jokes in it. Yeah, it was it like literally tore the script up and rained. We need a bit of heart to it. I think he wanted to add a bit more heart to, to that. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I totally assumed this was the first Muppets movie not directed by Henson. But it isn't. He didn't direct the Muppet movie. Ooh, I was like, that yeah, like literally, oh. you just assumed. Don't you? Yeah. Just, yeah, he directed the Muppet. What movie. did he do? Caper. He did Caper. Oh. Yeah, he directed Caper. Which, to be fair, best of those three. Yeah. Um, but it was a guy called James Frawley who directed uh, the Muppet movie. I have no fucking idea about that. So you know. But yes. So they go to Manhattan, and this is where we're introduced to the wonderful Gates McFadden as Mr. Price's secretary. Mr. Price is clearly. A con man. He's like meant to be an impersonator, isn't he? He's personating the guy who's the actual producer kind of in that. So I was I like, know, I thought he was creating a character, basically creating an alter ego. Mm. Well, I thought yeah. he was genuinely like a guy who was impersonating Mr. Price, who was like on the run or so, because he's like a con man, isn't he? Yeah, but it? no, he's created a, a, a alter ego to basically con right. So you think, so you think he's Gaze McFadden is in on it? She seems <laughs> no, she to get. She just she just works there and thinks he's like a legitimate. But she's agent. Mr. Price's secretary, and she see, she's getting hassled by the police at some point after when the police burst in yeah, she's because they, they're like they want to see all the Rolodexes and all you don't think she's shit. in on it no she just okay. she's an innocent party she'll be let off <laughs> is that just because it's Beverly Crusher you like she, she's no, innocent when I saw the film yeah because you watched the film <laughs> and like, that you're information like, from you're the like, film you're like Tenet Memento I get it this children's puppet film <laughs> 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 hang on <laughs> in the child of Mr. Price's secretary <laughs> what are we saying <laughs> like you have a I think this was this was a great scene. I think it's amazing the scene, scene in the scene of the film because it's like it's Dabney Coleman like he's just come off nine to five where he's the villain. Mm. He's, he's great in that. He's and it, you know he's just, this is what I wanted from the human characters in Muppets. They are just slightly amped up reality, yeah. but still straight enough that like they sell the Muppets in the scene. Yeah. And he just is fantastic. And it was a d- tragedy. He doesn't turn up again because yeah. I felt like the way he's kind of like he's just almost escaping. I mean he does get arrested, doesn't he? But like it felt like. He's going to make a reappearance later on. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the funniest scenes, I completely agree, in terms of, and you talk about scuzzy New York. Obviously, that's what he keeps saying, because they're talking about you. He's like, oh, yeah, what about, is there shootings in it? Like, yeah. like, you know. So I wrote down some of my favourite um, lines Amazing. from it. And there's just this bit where he's like, yeah, the shootings in it. And they're like, no, we're going to do songs and dances. And he goes, songs and dances? Nobody cares about shootings anyway. But it's also that thing of, it's a kid's movie. And that's what the first conversations they have about like these really horrible like New York. Okay, just give me the general idea. Well, it's all about life in the big city. Yeah, big city. Cops, shootings, car chases, that kind of thing. Well, no, no, no shooting stuff. It's more like songs and dances. Songs and dances. Might be interesting. Nobody cares about shootings anyway. What do you think about it? Big name stars? Well, well, actually, we're going to be the stars. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was about to say. Huh? You be the stars. Mm-hmm. Unknowns, mm-hmm. songs, dances, mm-hmm. shootings. Mm-hmm. No, no shootings. There was something more alarming before that, where you had an animal chasing a woman through the auditorium, mm-hmm. chatting 
Yes, my note here says sex pest animals. Yeah. Sex pest yeah. animals. <laughs> and the whole audience laughs. <laughs>, <a little> laughs Things in the 80s were dark. I mean, hilarious, obviously. Sometimes I watch scenes with Gonzo and the chickens and think, I mean, it's kind of okay because it's Gonzo and some chickens, but I don't know whether you write that exactly like that now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was 1984. None of us were born apart from Shut up. <laughs> we hadn't we had had time to come in and change things to the blame here is Paul. <laughs> yeah, so so you are the spokesperson for that Literally. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was writing bad letters to go my favourite part as well and chases the woman. Like, <laughs> it's pretty horrible because she's screaming. And the entire does not do anything other than laugh. And you, you didn't see what happens when Animal presumably catches up to her either. Yeah. It's just left well, hanging. I, 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 I tried to fake fragments. Okay. So don't take it down that particular So we get this big montage of the Muppets going around to other legitimate producers and try to sell the show and they all get turned away. And this is where we get one that... Oh, they, 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 don't, they don't strike me as legitimate producers, really. I think that's the thing, is they really do... Um, everybody's a scuzzy producer, aren't they? Yeah, they're all really yes. seedy, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. like, it's, it's just, you know, it's like, you know, smoke out the you know, drain cover kind of, like, yeah. lives on everybody. Uh, and, and even more so, my second bit that just was the most distasteful part of this film was walking on John Landis. Mm. You know, the manslaughter extraordinaire. You know, it's only one year after the tragic Twilight Zone incident where, you know, he's pretty culpable for the deaths of two children and an actor. Some may uh, say completely. <laughs> completely. Well, he hadn't been on trial, he was in trial in five years, but it's just amazing to like say, you know who I'll have in my, my film? That guy who's like this huge cloud over him for like... Currently not sure about that. Yeah, yeah. And put him in this movie. Like, I just... I mean, this is the thing, he continued to work after that incident, it's just bizarre to me. Um, so that sequence, the montage sequence, features a lot of Muppet legs. Always weird. Yeah, to me, always with every time you learn how to do it. Even the even the action figures that I've got, these like amazing Palisades um, sculpts. There's something about seeing the whole character sometimes. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just literally, I want to put it behind something. They, they just show <laughs> the bottom of them. They're like legs walking along, and there's something that makes it even creepier by the fact that you can't see their head. <laughs> so it feels like disconnected. You're like, I don't believe that's them. Like, yeah, uh, yeah it's so weird. About it. But yeah, so they all break up and they kind of go across mm. the country. Kermit stays and becomes a worker in like a diner mm. um, and has a sort of meat cue with one of the waitresses there. That's so funny, that interaction where where he, he says, oh, I'm Kermit, and she says, hi, Kermit, nice to meet you. And he goes, I'm a frog. particularly funny because in the Muppets world, the one rule is no one reacts to the fact that they're Muppets. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just yeah. accepts them. But I think that made it funnier, the fact that he just went, I'm a frog. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, as if it was something that needed to be said. Really because there is a double weird thing in this, where there are the Muppets, and some of them are animals, but there are also normal animals. If they, so there's a scene with, uh, is it, it Rolf, isn't mm, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Rolf, where he's working in a dog pound, and he is a dog, but he's like a Muppety dog, so he's like kind of all kind of anthropomorphic and stuff. And then a real dog gets brought in, but then there's also dogs in cages who are Muppet dogs, but they're not like, what's as, the hierarchy but, but, here? They're, but they're not as like human like as Roll. So I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. this is like three different levels of dog in <laughs> one scene. This is something that Hattie was saying, like the rule, the rules in particularly in this film are all over the shop. 
My exact note is the Muppet to human ratio of the world is confusing. <laughs> like, is it just this group of Muppets? And yeah, that's yeah. It? Are there other Muppets in the world? And it kind of well, is. It's like, street. Yeah, yeah, they definitely are. Towards the end, but One it's street. weird that like, we come to the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> right at the beginning, you've got them mm. performing, like this group of Muppets performing to the rest of these college graduates, and it's all the Muppets on stage, and there isn't a single Muppet in the audience. Mm. So I kind of believe that these Muppets were the only Muppets. And then when you see Muppets again, they are all in groups. So you've got like Rizzo and yeah, his rat friends. Yeah, and yeah. you've got like penguins who turn up at some point. And, yeah. But they're all like groups of animals, the dogs and the dog pound. Mm. And it, there's no like singular... Muppet cast system. Yeah, it's <laughs> really bizarre. But like, I think there's a, they, they do feel like a minority. Like, yes. and they're treated as such a little bit. They do feel yeah, like they're, 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 they're yeah. against the Muppets always. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they don't get, they have to kind of really work for anything you yeah. know, um, that they get. You know, he has to take a job as a line cook yeah. you know, to sort of get, any, you know, get anywhere. Well, so well, that's, true, that's a real key part of the Muppets. Mm. The whole thing of them, they are out on the fringes trying their best and a little bit rejected by mm. the rest of society. Well, they're the underdogs, yeah. aren't they? That's, that's why the, I nurse them so much. Yeah. And like Rizzo and his rats it working in the diner like perhaps a unionizing at one point. Like it was just really, well, really. I fun. love that setup. That Rizzo, you know, he's just like he just basically goes off on one, like to kind of get himself fired. Yes. Like he gets himself. He's like being an absolute jerk all day. But the plan is to get to the point where he, they, he makes him realize how much he needs him. Yeah. yeah. And he can get them all in. It's just a great setup. I thought that was. A and then of course Kermit gets hired, and the guy who runs the diner, who's very funny, is just kind of like, oh, first I hire rats, then frog. What next? Penguin, and then suddenly like a whole group of penguins like turn up at the door, like asking for a job. But so. then, but then the puppets are like, you know, there's like they're shitting on the penguins, so the penguins clearly are the bottom. Of the yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, Fuck you, you didn't get it. Like yeah, rats in New York make sense. Penguins. Yeah. <laughs> rats one job. Yeah. Rock one job. What next? Penguins. Do you have any jobs available? No. Well, excuse us for a living. We nerdily kind of dissect things as everybody does with the things that they like these days because they're such a big part of culture. But no one really gave the reason there's no set rules is no one really thought yeah. about it. It's just some Muppets <laughs> in Manhattan. Yeah, I like it as well. That's one thing. I, I like the kind of craziness of it and the randomness because I think that is that's the secret sauce, isn't it? The mm. idea of the humans are just accepted. Yeah. Except that there are Muppets hanging around. You know what, don't explain anything. Yeah, Yeah, it's just, that that is just instantly funny, but people don't react kind of differently to that. The second you start getting down the the road of being like, well, next it's going to be a six-part origin series on Disney Plus that explains just what a Muppet is or why a Muppet is. And it's like, we've seen that kill so many fandom things that we have Star Trek or Superheroes. Kermit Origins. All you need is The Simpsons. Like, what is a Muppet? Not quite a Muppet. We've talked about Muppet Babies quite a lot. Did you know that the Muppet Babies fantasy sequence is in this film? First ever appearance of the Muppet Babies. Yeah, I had no idea it came from this. Yeah, and that's why uh, they went and did the spin-off cartoon because that sequence was so popular from this film. Which so even is, back then, you know, they knew like you know all the baby Yodas you get now, baby everything. Yeah, it's like it was, ah, yeah, baby. Kind of like, you know, again, old man that I am. Early nineties, it was like they'd run out of all the sort of ideas. They just made baby versions of everything. Mm. There was baby Yogi Bear and like they just yeah, kind of released. Yeah, James Bond Junior. 
Yeah, exactly. They've got to do all that kind of stuff. And now, Young and the Sort of similar thing with multiverse stuff, isn't it? It's like, oh, they like the thing. Let's make. How can we make more of this same thing? Everyone likes. Put everyone in the multiverse, and there's multiple versions of all those. I must admit that Muppets Baby sequence was great, and all it made me think was, why on earth did they not do Muppets Baby live action? I assume too expensive, yeah. because literally that's it. Is so so much cuter than the actual like animation that yeah, they use like, in terms of like because little Miss Piggy and little Kermit are like, proper cute and I was like oh man I would have totally watched this show like, <laughs> yeah, got, I, mean, I did watch Muppet Babies growing up but like there was something extra special about this but I can only assume budgetary uh, at the end of the day it's really funny I cannot tell you how much I hated that dream sequence no! Passion. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is vomit inducing. And the worst bit for me, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to rant about it, but it, oh, what did I write? It was. Kill it with fire. Kill it with fire. <laughs> Very much kill it with fire. Oh. <laughs> uh, so it was it was a bit in the song. So it's a little baby Miss Piggy. It, it's a very strange. She just kind of goes into this dream sequence. There's no mm. reason. You don't see her falling asleep. They're actually at this point on a horse and carriage, having just made up from a fight going round Central Park. And she suddenly starts daydreaming. I think about her child self looking towards her future self and what she will be one day. <laughs> And I'm not quite sure why. Mm. It has no relevance to the plot. And <laughs> Got to sell those toys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then she starts thinking about what she's going to do and there's a bit where she's like, oh, I'm going to be a brain surgeon and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I think it all does kind of relate to Kermit and how much she's going to love him in her later life. And there's just these lines that just made me want to vomit my insides out. Uh, so it was going to climb the Matterhorn, but only after all our children are born. Because I want to be a good mommy too, and I'm always gonna love you. Can't you can't you be a woman who wants to be a good mother? Kind of Matterhorn. Yeah, and she does not want to be a good mother in Muppets Christmas Carol, where she can't remember her daughter's name. You <laughs> can't distinguish them between the two. Well, she had a Matterhorn to climb. You can't have it all. I didn't find it cute. No, I found it horrible. I think it was something about a baby singing about wanting just to have the babies. Wrong messaging just made me go. <laughs> um, it's, I'm quite a maternal human, but it just made me want to tell just me like this pig has been brainwashed from day one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I don't think her and her ever do actually have kids in the proper timeline. Do like a thing like no, uh, no, they the last, the last sort of loose continuity thing was they sort of split up and then sort of got back together. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I mean, the whole thing of Miss Piggy following around je- jealous yeah. of this is, is like the funniest thing in this it's film. Perfect, it's yeah, so so good because she's getting jealous of him hanging around the uh, waitress in this film because they're hanging out together a lot and literally at one point they're in a park and they hug and Miss Piggy sees that and she's really really angry and when she confronts Kermit and Kermit is saying oh you know you've got the wrong idea Piggy like yeah it's like I was just like we're just friends and she goes (laughs) what about Huggies! Like, it's so fucking funny. Oh my god, she's amazing. That's yeah, a yeah. very good impression, man. Oh, <laughs> I, I do like doing a Miss Piggy impression. That bit as well. There's a bit where so it's there's a rollerblader there played by Gregory Hines, who is Ben in Will and Grace, and he's so funny in this kind of back and forth between Piggy and Kermit about what she means to them and stuff. And um, and there's just this bit at the end because oh, 
Not to mention the fact that like Miss Piggy get like she gets mugged, so she steals this guy's rollerblades <laughs> so that she can go <laughs> yeah, after the mugger. And Miss Piggy bombing through Central Park, and it's just a guy in a suit. I love it. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, that's um, the thing. She's so badass. Well, at one point she gets catcalled by a bunch of builders, but then she scares the shit out of them by like bending an iron bar <laughs> with her superhuman pig strength. And then it's the whole oh, shit. Like, like yeah, it's just like fucking brilliant. Battering this oil drum off. Wow. <laughs> I personally think Miss Peggy feminist icon. Oh, yeah, massively. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Um, but this great bit with Gregory Hines, it's just this, this line afterwards where he's like given up on trying to be like the intermediary between them. And he just goes, keep the skates. I never use them anyway. I just like to run around in shorts. And then he runs <laughs> off in his little shorts. <laughs> so, so good. And or, Miss Piggy and Joan Rivers, such an obvious but perfect pairing as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they're definitely having a right laugh. I don't know what this Joan Rivers figures. I know she's famous, but like, I've, I've, it just must have passed me by. I know she's just like, she's been around forever. Not any more, not any more, Paul. Is she dead? Yes. Oh, yeah. I thought she was like she was just she was just Lars Alcabor or something like that, you know. She was kind of she was kind of Miss Piggy in real life for a lot of years, a little bit. She was Mm. kind of a sort of trailblazing female comedian when there weren't many female comedians. The same, she didn't give a shit about it. What did she do? Yeah, it wasn't my sort of cup of tea, comedy-wise, but you sort of appreciated her iconic. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she, I do she, like the trivia that she had to get pissed to do this scene. <laughs> I mean, she does seem pissed. Yeah, it's they, they did it a couple of takes and then just go, let's just give her a gin and tonic. This is your motivation. I mean, <laughs> she was, a, a, yeah, very kind of abrasive, made lots of kind of very offensive jokes. Basically, um, yeah, she did like red carpet interviews and just took the piss out of people. Basically, yeah, well, she was Dennis yeah, yeah. Penis. Yeah, she basically, yeah, yeah, yeah a little bit, yeah, a little bit female Dennis Penis, like was on oh, Dennis maybe, Penis. Yeah, maybe something that a YouTube hole opening up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely some bit. It's just something about her and Miss Piggy. They they just go together well. There's something good about that. There's that like, guy's just like you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> this is where she's like, you know what, you need eyebrows, and she goes. Things don't have eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about Kermit disguising himself earlier because Kermit kind of goes through a series of disguises in this film to try and get the play produced. It kind of reminded me of George C. Scott in All Shows Hardcore, with him like kind of going all the disguise. And it is hilarious, like all these different disguises he employs and like tries to be like a big Hollywood agent and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very funny. And there's also a great cameo from Liza Minnelli yeah. as well, where he's like taken her like photo down and put his <laughs> up and stuff like that. I think Kermit is great in this movie. Like, really, he's yeah, got a he's lot of fun his, stuff. He's at the peak of his powers. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's supposed yeah. to be lots more famous people in this movie, apparently. And Dustin Hoffman was going to play the bad agent. The, oh, um, really? Yeah. And there was just, I read the list of people who were supposed to be in it, Michael Jackson, all the, you know, all the real key stars at the time. Yeah, exactly. And I think when Dustin Hoffman pulled out, he was going to be doing an impression of some some other producer that he knew, um, and then realised it might be a bit famous. It was going to be Robert Evans. Yeah, wasn't it? It was going to be Robert Evans. Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, and um, this is is the time time of the Cotton Club, and there was a murder trial with Robert (laughs) Evans in that as well, wasn't it? Maybe I should. A lot of people on for, like, Murder accidentally yeah. or not in this film. Francis Cooper, like he just had no luck. It was like part fights for the mob that movie. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of fun sequences that are brought about by Kermit keeps getting letters from all the other Muppets, mm. and they're kind of making out in all the letters. 
like they're having leading these great lives, mm. but then we get to see the sequence that shows actually they're sh- having shit lives. <laughs> um, and that's like really, really good, especially Fozzie's letter, where he's like, Dear Kermit, waka waka waka, but seriously, like, uh, <laughs> and he's kind of like, Fozzie's almost getting like raped by another bear, like in a cave, because when he's hibernating and stuff like that, gone over with chickens and everything like that. Lots of inappropriate animal relationships were going on, basically. Yeah, but when you're already an inappropriate animal, then, you know, <laughs> yeah, relationship's going to be a bit weird. It's interesting, though. So there's a whole <coughs> point where Kermit gets knocked over by a bus. And he gets amnesia and becomes an ad director. But, like, not to say he's a really successful one. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing is, it's like, He's shown to be like you know, it's quite a, a good working environment. The other, there are other frogs who you know yeah. treat him Gail and Bill. and they're all going to dinner together. And they're pretty polite to the waitress, mm. but he's still an absolute <laughs> jerk because he's like saying like, "Oh, wait till the guys in marketing here about this a pig." <laughs> I was like, so like even the amnesiatic frog is like an absolute jerk. That's his default. <laughs> well, they're Muppet madmen, aren't they? Essentially, the horror of that showing that he's actually a horrible person. Or yeah. Well, I love that Kermit has like different voice for his amnesiac version. Yeah, I think yeah. like he genuinely is like a different character. I think, and like you say, he's like quite a dick in a yeah. way like you know but at the same time there is something really cute and emotional about him he kind of starts playing like their opening number <laughs> on glasses in the cafe and there is something cute and kind of sweet about that when they realise oh it's him he's here and everything like that and they're kind of reunited and <laughs> is it that he gets his um, does he get his memory back because Miss Piggy hits him yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hiya <laughs> it's funny because when you started being a dick, I was like, I know exactly what's about to happen. He's yeah, about yeah. to get this shit. <laughs> I love that whole examination <laughs> sequence in the hospital as well. It just keeps bending bits around and like pushing his face around. It's like, yeah, you have amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, they do get back together. Kermit gets his memory back and they put on a show. And it kind of becomes this almost like dreamlike La La Land-esque sequence, doesn't it? Where it eventually leads to this massive grand finale wedding, which feels like such a fitting ending to this film, being that it's the last Muppets film for so long. Like, consider it's the last film that Henson was involved in. It kind of does feel like it could be like an ending for everything. Like, you know, like them finding... Especially with the... um, When you see... The guests of the wedding, they've got all the Sesame Street guys there. Absolutely. And they've got all the Muppets there. I mean, that is a gorgeous sequence, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that blew my mind. Was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. One of my favourite Muppety things ever is a Christmas special they did, right in the sort of prime of um, Muppet Show and Fraggle Rock and stuff. And there's just this, this one-hour special where they all the Muppets all go to Fozzie's mum's house and it's all lots of crazy stuff's going on. And then the Fraggles turn up. Then all at Sesame Street turn up, <laughs> then they sing a song, and I was like, oh my god, this is everything. <laughs> that, that was your Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was the Avengers oh, Endgame. Well, yeah, it, it must have felt like crossing a world at the time. <laughs> well, of like, wow, we've got Big Bird there and everything like that. There's a scene with Big Bird and the Swedish chef where Big Bird is trying to be, the Swedish chef's trying to cook Big Bird, and it's probably the best thing I've ever seen <laughs> in the television ever. Pretty much a rabbit. Mickey Mouse on. Yeah, it was like exactly that moment. Yeah, it's proper, proper lovely. And yeah, what a way to end this film. Like, so. I was jipped that we didn't see Mount Manhattan Melodies. Yeah, well, yeah, we. we, we yeah. It because it's like, it promised so much, like, this is going to be the big show. Oh, yeah, that's but, true. And they, they trot out one thing, and then almost immediately, 
and it goes into that three sequence. Yeah. I was like, that's the ending? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, what about the show? <laughs> well, we've already seen, but we've already seen the best song, for, which is Together Again, yeah. which is at the well, beginning. Well, yeah. Together Again reprise. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't that? Well, doesn't it actually get reprised? Well, yeah, because Muppets I, Most Wanted. Yeah, because I can't hear that song without doing the Muppets Most Wanted version, which yeah. is Together Again, Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the same because I think again. I was quoting it incorrectly to you. We we chatted about it. I think I was quoting because I think I was quoting the Muppets Most Wanted version. Yeah, then like because it know. feels like it is the missing word from the melody. So if you try and sing the original, if you've seen the Most Wanted version, it yeah. does feel weird just going together again. I'm not saying something else. <laughs> I do really like Muppets Most Wanted. I'm gonna stand up yeah. for it. Go and check out Muppets Most Wanted. It's got still great good songs. songs. Yeah, yeah. Great yeah, songs. They're it's doing it's a it's sequel. Like, yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's great. Yeah, it's, yeah, good yeah, yeah. it's just good dialogue. We're back to my It's got Ricky Gervais in it, but don't let that put you off. Yeah, like, yeah. Ricky Gervais <laughs> in it. It's still good. So that's, that's the last of my film. It could still be good for me. Yeah. yeah. It's a reference to them being given a sequel while they wait for Tom Hanks to make Toy Story 4. Yeah. But like <laughs> six years before Toy Story 4 actually happened. Segway. I wrote that the opening music is excellent, like a cross between Scatman Joe and a Randy Newman tune mm. that's sung by Kermit. Yeah, that sounds very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, the, what's the song at the very? I should know this because it's what we're doing the podcast on. What's the last song? Do they do Rainbow Connection at the end? Don't yeah. think so. They don't, or is that in the Muppet? The first. I think that's Muppet movie. I, I can't remember that's... what it is. It comes back to it together again. Right. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, yeah I think it does. Oh, certainly in my head it does. Yeah. Think it's Rainbow. I think it's always playing in my head. There's not a single context that you can play Rainbow Connection that I won't cry in. (laughs) My kids sometimes put it on when uh, just to make you cry, to make me cry. Wow, (laughs) (laughs) still even now. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up! Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) So, should we go around the table getting final thoughts on this film? Paul, we'll go come to you first. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm going to be on a bit of downer on this one. I, oh, I get, no. Wow. I get like two stars. I'm like, two stars? I, I didn't, <laughs> out I mean, of five? Out of five, yeah. I just, it was such a step down from Muppet Christmas Carol for me. I mean, yeah, it's not as good as Muppet Christmas Carol, but what is? True. But yeah, what is? <laughs> what, what is what? Like, it's as good as Muppet Christmas Carol. Nothing. Well, lots the other things are. But like, um, but yeah, just, I just thought it was like, really all over the place. I didn't feel like there was like a, a proper through line. It just, I didn't laugh at many bits. The bits I kind of really liked just rover really quickly, the Danny Coleman section. Where, you know, I was just like, more of that, please, but there wasn't enough of it. It's just really disjointed. I just guess I, I needed that connection as a kid to, like, care enough mm. about these characters. And I think I just didn't have it. Uh, the only other Muppet films you've seen, Chris Carroll and Treasure Island. Well, yeah. But and the Jason Segel. I, I would only say I know what Chris Carroll is. I, would, I, I don't remember any of those other right. movies. I think that's Ooh. fair but fair. I mean, I want to I say, oh, how dare you say that? I can't argue with any of that. <laughs> I mean, tell you what, give Great Muppet Caper a go. I might give it a go. Yeah. That's the best of the first three yeah. and the one directed by It's like there's a time when we watched Fast and it's Five. Uh, yeah. Are you going to watch any of the Fast Furious? Like, it's oh, got, oh, got Charles Groden in there. I'll give it a go. And Charles Groden. Yeah. That was two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Great Muppet Caper is really great. Yeah. So Charles Groden, like, I love, obviously, Midnight Run. So. Yeah, he's like literally yeah. the lead. And it's pure archive of like meta humour, you know. That's good. Okay, well, moving on. Hopefully, we'll do a little bit better with you, Hattie. Well, I wouldn't count on one star. I wouldn't count on it. Um, I don't want to start. Do I have to start? Yes. Oh, God. Out of five. You can use half stars. Uh, uh, 
maybe I'll two and a half. Don't give her the option that it's going two and a half. Okay, we're, 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 we're going, going up. up. We're going up. Crying yeah. Yeah. I was I was really excited about the idea of the Muppets trying to pitch a Broadway mm. musical because I'm quite into musicals, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, I think I just is to me. It was very strange. The amnesia part of the storyline coming in in the third act, it felt very crowbarred in. And then, yeah, the pacing of it was very odd. But there were some really good lines. There was, like, two two bits at the end that I really, really loved. Just two lines from Bernard Crawford, who was the legit producer. He's, like, the he's a dad and his son decides to take them on. And, um, and there's just one bit where the son is... Um, talking to Kermit and he's basically said like my dad's a legit producer he's told me that I can have one shot at putting on my own musical um and I want you to be it and Kermit's like amazing and his dad walks past and he goes dad I have excellent news and the dad just turns around and goes if you two are in love I don't want to hear about it I was talking to Paul about it earlier and I was like it's so funny and it's quite dated but at the same time the fact that it's even alluded that there might be some sort of gay let alone (laughs) inter-species relationship um, in a Muppets film in the 80s is actually pretty like weirdly forward thinking and it's just a really funny line and then there's a bit where he calls him into the office and he's like okay pitch me the thing and Kermit starts pitching it and then gets overexcited and starts like going into one of the numbers and the dad just goes hold it I'm allergic to amphibian singing (laughs) (laughs) which is also really really funny so I would say for like the 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 one-liners of what like edit into the Two and a half star. I think Hattie um, hit on like probably what I feel. It, I can explain really better why I don't get it resonate with me because the behind the scenes hygiene of putting on a show is one of the best ideas for a film there mm. is. And there's been so many great behind the scenes things, and the, and the Muppets be perfect for that kind of stuff. Egos, you know, things not working, you know, yeah. and then the big night they all comes together and they put on the show. That was the plot waiting to happen, but it didn't happen in this movie. Okay. True. Okay. Right. Prof, I, I want you to take a side. I'd say come to me because I'm I'm going up the chain. Oh, you're going to bring a Bruce Forsyth to this, okay? okay. Yeah, yeah. All, all right, all right. Sorry, Professor, hold your boots because it, it may is... be more than the three stars. I'll Matt Brothers, come on. From two to and after three, I'll, I'll give it a three. Like I like, I like going this. up incrementally. Yeah. I like this one fine, but it's yeah. I prefer the Muppet movie. I prefer Great Muppet Caper. I think this is a lot more. It's both more scattershot and sort of more relaxed in its plotting and what it's trying to do. It's it's just, it is mostly just, you know, this this much less focused uh, idea going on in New York. And it is great to see them up. It's in that environment. And I think, because this is the first time we see Rizzo and everybody, right? It is true, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's generation. a really great intro. Yeah, some really funny lines, some good songs. But it's transitional, I think, between the, the better ones just before and kind of where it's going. But nowhere near as bad as, as some of the later ones, I think. That's kind of where I three stand stars. Three stars. Three stars. Solid okay. three stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Prof. You, you can do it. 17 stars out of <laughs> two. <laughs> it's tricky because you've got, you've got two ways of judging it, as is often the way, I think, with a lot of fandom things. Because, you know, there's me judging it as, as me as a person and all the Muppets meant to me where it sits in my own personal timeline. From that point of view, it's pure magic. And there's, you know, it's one of the first times... But it, trying to get again thinking that when I had kids they would like all the things that I liked 
as you do before you actually have kids and <laughs> see what parenting's really like. And showing them loads of Muppet stuff and being like, Dad, please stop showing us these weird puppets. Like, no, <laughs> you've got to understand how good it is. <laughs> and I remember showing them this and they'd be like, oh, God. <laughs> and then getting to the bit with Bill, Gill and Jill, or, 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 when, when Kermit's um, being a marketing guy and then finding it, then really, really laughing and finding it really funny. So it holds a special place in my head or heart for that as well. And I like the fact that it is so lazily plotted and mm. completely disjointed. It's just got some little great sketches in amongst this kind of mess of a film. So there's that. So, you know, 17 and a half stars out of five. Yeah. Um, outside of my own personal views, as an actual film, it's not quite <laughs> <laughs> got to be back more down to Paul and side of things. You can't, I couldn't sit here in good conscience and say, one of the greatest films ever made. <laughs> it is it's shoddy, um, but that's also I why love I love it. And that's also why I love The Muppets to a certain extent. Can you give us an official rating out of five? I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it... Three and a half stars. Three and a half. Okay, we're going up. We're going up. Okay. Can you also give us a ranking of the eight Muppet movies? Your ranking. Yeah, I guess I'll go. I suppose it is the third. I mean, it does go kind of Muppet movie, Muppet Caper, Muppets Take Manhattan, and then well, then it gets a bit fuzzy for me because I'm not. I mean, I, I appreciate the iconic nature of the Christmas Carol, but it's not nearly wacky enough for me. Oh my. God, no, what they're not, no, one's, no one's getting weird in it. They're all just following, they're all just doing the Dickens story. <laughs> not only enough fish being thrown, there's no penguins turning up. There's not enough penguins anyway. So, yeah, so I've, beyond those three, it'd be too too much to call it. Wow. So it becomes, a, it becomes a foggy mess of Muppetry. Man, that's interesting. <laughs> that is, yeah, purest original three, Henson, like, once Henson goes, that's it. Yeah, after that, it's all, you know, I like, there's lots to like in yeah, lots yeah, of yeah, them, yeah. but, I, you know, but, yeah, as I say, you know, there are, there are bits in all all of the films that are that are special and I'll, I'll take those things okay well uh, yeah i'm gonna join you in the three and a half stars camp I, I really enjoyed this like you know i mean yeah there's definitely better muppet films but that's why muppets christmas carol gets five stars it is one of my favorite films of all fucking time like uh, like you know uh, but i actually prefer this patrick stewart been in that one okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean patrick stewart did pray scrooge yeah, I know. See, he could have been. I don't think that. that would he could have been. But I mean, I've got to say, as much as I love Pichu, and I do think he gives a good performance to Scrooge, I think they they weren't right. With oh, Kane's. Yeah, 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 exactly. I just feel like you know, I haven't resented anybody for appearing something since Patrick Stewart <laughs> in like that Christmas Eve movie. Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, then Gates were having a brilliant. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas <laughs> Eve. Yes, yeah, he gets. Pichu for life more than playing the poop in the Mojo movie. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, worst things oh, yeah, that Star yeah. Trek people have ever been in. That would be quite exactly. a good episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it might happen. Um, so, uh, literally, I actually prefer this to the original Muppet movie. Muppet movie, mm, I, I find like a little bit. I don't really like the origins aspect of it. I find it a little bit lackadaisical. Kind of Muppet Caper, I think, is definitely the best of those three. Really, really strong. But I really enjoy this. I think it's really, really fun. Yeah, I think there's some amazing kind of mm. Muppet moments. I mean, that just that wedding sequence and the Muppet baby sequence, I think, are really iconic. And there's there's lots of bits that make me laugh. Yeah. Well, what, one so, thing yeah. that will never get old with Muppet movies is any time they get to just hurl them, like they're off a person <laughs> yeah. and just get thrown. Because <laughs> the, the best one is in Muppet Cable when they get thrown off the bus and they just kind of like get thrown off a moving bus and just... And slide on the pavement, and then this one you get Gonza being chucked out the producer's office. He's like, Ooh, yes, that is funny. Yeah. So yeah, three, three and a half stars. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoy it. I think it's, I think it's good fun. I think there are better Muppet movies certainly, but yeah, I, I do think it's. Have really you got good a fun. ranking of the eight? 
Uh, well, I haven't seen Muppets in Space, uh, but Christmas Carol, 100% number one. Then after that, probably Muppet Caper, or maybe joint Muppet Caper with the Jason Segel one, maybe. Then maybe like joint Manhattan and Muppets Most Wanted. And then afterwards is where it starts to go downhill for me, because like Treasure Island, I remember... I. Kind of, Very boring. Well, that's the bit I kind of nostalgic feelings yeah. for it because I saw it in the cinema and called my nan and stuff like. But I, I don't think I've seen it since the cinema. Like I think I saw it in yeah. the cinema and literally haven't hey, watched it. Just leave it there. Whereas okay. Christmas <laughs> Carol, I've watched loads of times. Of course, you know what I mean? like, yeah. literally, like um, so yeah. And um, Muppets says so I haven't seen. Yeah, Muppet movie comes controversially like really low for me. Like in terms of like I enjoy it it fits fine and obviously it's got moving right along mm. which is an incredible song but yeah it's just I don't know it's just a bit kind of like meh for me in terms of like an origin story there's not enough jokes basically it's not enough jokes yeah, in the original Muppet movie some good guys. There, is, um, there's some, there is some weird outlier Muppet films as well there's like there's Follow That Bird oh I want to see Follow That Bird that's meant to be really good it's actually really good yeah it's quite early that. days it's, mm. a, it's a big bird movie where he kind of goes on a road trip but it's quite messed up because you see Big Bird's family <laughs> and it's these other massive birds living in this massive bird house and they all look really nightmarish. <laughs> the whole thing has got a little bit of nightmare fuel to it, so yeah. it makes it kind of worth watching. Yeah, I've got movie. to check that out. That, I, I know that's very really I great. own Kermit Swamp Years as well. Which is one of the TV yeah. movies. Yeah. That's the one I, I still haven't seen. I've got it, but I haven't seen it. No, no, no one has. It's no in a triple, it's in a triple <laughs> pack <laughs> with Manhattan and Space. <laughs> you have seen Space, though. Yeah. I know yeah. it's a tool pack. It's like, these are the ones nobody wants. Well, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird because it works yeah. out really well because I got this like Muppet six film DVD set and it's like Muppet movie. It's all the Disney owned ones, isn't it? And then it's yeah, like, it's Muppet yeah. movie Caper. It skips it's Manhattan. Like Pink Panther film nobody owns. Christmas mm. Carol, Treasure Island, 2011 and Most Wanted. Mm. And then the other set is Manhattan Space and Kermit's Wanted. Well, yes, yeah, because Manhattan's not on Disney <clears throat> Plus, annoyingly. Right. Like, uh, because, yeah, they're all owned by different people. Like, mm. So it's all really, really weird. Uh, but Great Muppet Caper is on Disney Plus, mm. so that is very easily accessible. So basically, okay. forget Manhattan, go watch that. <laughs> it's fine. So yeah, it's been great to chat the uh, Muppets with you guys. Uh, you, Paul, because I know you're a massive fan of it. And obviously, Hattie, I mean, you're, you know, president of the Muppets fan club. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's been fantastic chatting with you. So, guys, can you tell us where we can find you online and everything you're doing, Hattie? Yes, so you can find me at Hattie Snooks, H-A-T-T-I-E-S-N-O-O-K-S, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Um, my next venture is I'll be performing The Geek Shall Inherit, which is the show that Liam and Paul came to see, and Paul the Prof has also seen it, um, at Worcester Fringe on the 30th of July, if this goes out before that. If not, I'm nipping up to Edinburgh, festival for the first week i'm going to do a few spots with my music project queen man um what else am i doing that'll probably do for now <laughs> okay yeah everyone go and check out the geek show here if you can get to see it for listeners of this show it's kind of perfect as there is a big old star trek section in that if you listen to hattie's other episode with us on hollow shoots you know her obsession with reginald barkley mm-hmm. that is fully exploited in the cushion. show yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say I'm fully in the comfort camp when it comes to like what does 90s sci-fi fantasy TV mean to me, and I think more so every passing day. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that life raft. It's always like the world might burn outside, but if someone can get maybe some of these shows, I just watch them and kind of pull the curtains and just go, I'll just live here for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm, I'm more and more like that. Um, Paul, you give <laughs> Geekshaw and Herrick three whole more stars than Muppet State of Manhattan, wouldn't you? I, I would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, otherwise known as Professor Elemental, where can we find you online? I am all over the place. Uh, ProfessorElemental.com, you can find all the live shows. I'm just constantly out and about at the moment, travelling all around the country and the world. And uh, Patreon, I spend a lot of time on Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash Professor Elemental. And I'm churning out special albums and videos and all kinds of crazy stuff there. Oh, and I'm going to do a, like a tape for any like uh, gaming nerds. I'm doing a, um, a tabletop game of an Ooh, album I did wow. called Ape Quest. There's going to be a big Kickstarter coming up for that. I'm very excited about oh, it. Amazing. Lots of, yeah, lots of time. Tabletop games, so like a ro- role-playing. But yeah, uh, role-playing. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, we need to tell. Um, we all went on a great podcast called Pretending With Dice, <laughs> uh, where which is a kind of tabletop game-playing podcast. And we went on and did Star Trek Adventures, which is the Star Trek version of that. So we're going to have to tell AJ from that uh, podcast, who's also the composer of our brilliant theme tune. So he's Amazing. into the music as well. Uh, so we'll have to mention that to him. Well, yeah, yeah, you should go on there and play it. Like, oh, I love that. Like, like, yeah, that'd be great. on the podcast. That'd be amazing. That'd be super also, awesome. you mentioned Ape Quest. If you want to hear me and Paul the Professor doing stuff together, I was on your album, Ape Quest. Certainly was. On the song Home Sweet Home. Yeah. And also on... Other songs other we've done. Songs. <laughs> All the other songs. <laughs> All of the songs <laughs> we've done. And we're doing a show as well, aren't we, soon? So, you know, we've got a show together. You're putting on a show! Yeah. We're putting on a show, we've got the band back together! Yeah. <laughs> we're They're doing us. Yeah. <laughs> February 26th of August at the Winchester Gate in Salisbury. Queen Mab, my music project, is supporting Professor Elemental. It's going to be a party. Be Cut to a montage and getting shut out of producers' offices <laughs> all over Manhattan. Being shut out. As for us, you can find us at Spotlight Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, literally, come find us there. Give updates on all of the kind of stuff we're doing because we never really know what episode is coming next. So, kind of follow us on there. And you can see everything that we're getting up to. And if you could leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on that would be extremely helpful thank you so much thank you for listening and uh, we will see you next time when we will put on another show and we will be together Together again it's good to be together again I just can't imagine that you've ever been gone It's not starting over, it's just going on together again. Now we're here and there's no need remembering when. Cause no feeling feels like that feeling. Together Together again. again.